Brian, if you remember, Dr. Brian was the one that ended up forcing the company's hand to go into bankruptcy through the DOJ and he lost the lawsuit. Um, basically had his project pirated from him. Um, once Brian liquidated Inslaw, um, he turned around and, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm feeling at this point and it just kind of hit me in the middle of talking with you guys. I feel like Dr. Brian is the old school version of Bill Gates, because if you think about it, let's see who else went from computer software directly to genetic warfare. I mean, really, did we just get a 2.0 shit upgrade? I mean, <laughs> really, uh, kind of interesting thought there. I'll have to go into that a little. But anyway, um, So in order to develop these vaccines, um, viruses have to be created first. It's, that's a valid point. In order to have a cure, you have to know what you're curing. What better way to know what you're curing than to be the one to make it, right? Kind of a logical thought form there. Makes sense. If you're the one creating the disease, you're the one that damn well knows how to fix it. This is one of the reasons why I've said for the vast majority of the disease, the disease processes that we have going on right now, we definitely have the cures to it. I truly feel that way. Um, I think all this money that gets funneled into these research communities is a huge freaking hoax. These research studies that have been going on for cancer for so long now, and AIDS, and HIV, and all of this crap, cancer, I mean, come on. How long does it take when you've got millions of doctors across the globe studying and researching this stuff? We should have had the cures tenfold by now. You're telling me you don't have anything? Because I can, I can name off a few people that have come forward, not just with like medical cures, but homeopathic cures at that, and had their licenses revoked and were kicked out of their country for it. Proof that they could actually cure this, and then were silenced. So, again, just another thought on that. Um, so the biological warfare viruses that are created need to be highly sophisticated to be used in the military applications, which is true. Any type of biological research on the Ind Indian reservation is not subject to the federal laws, like I was saying. This is why they wanted their feet rooted into the, the Native American reservations. They don't have the oversight in those locations that they would have anywhere else in the U.S. So Wackenhut attempted to sell biological warfare viruses and vaccine kits, ooh, hey, term that we're used to right now, to the U.S. government to be made, I'm sorry, to be used against small countries bordering 
Albania, or other countries bordering the Soviet Union. Now, see, at the time, what they were talking about was the Albanian uh, invasion, I guess you could say. What what they had done at that time... Let me find... Where, where did I put my notes? Oh. Uh, at the time... Uh, we had several people going into Albania. Um, this was kind of the CIA testing their capabilities at the time. So when this subgroup was created in the 50s, they wanted to see all the training that they put these guys through. They put about eh, a couple thousand agents into Albania, it was kind of already starting to get into its own little civil war scenario. And so when they dropped all these CIA agents in, almost every single one was either captured or killed in this. And it was an epic failure. I mean, it really was an epic failure. But they had, they literally had no plan in doing it. They, they said, you know, hey, uh, let's see what we can do here. Uh, let's really see what our capabilities are. We're not going to give any direction one way or the other. We're going to go ahead and drop them in and let them figure it out on, and just say it's a mission. Well, that's kind of what happens with no planning, folks. Um, it went south, and it went south fast. So the only upside to it, though, was the fact that we don't know who any of those people are. Go ahead and capture them. You know, they they literally let their people hang and dry. And uh, so we had, let's see, for that operation, Ted Shackley was was uh, part of that. Um, we had. Where is he? Michael Warbell III. He was a part of that. War, uh, William Patrick developed the process by which anthrax spores could be concentrated at the level of one trillion spores per gram. Uh, <laughs> anthrax. Yay. Um, yeah, no, not really. Um, when when I was in the military, we had um, we were part of the whole anthrax vaccination process. Um, gonna tell you right now, I signed every single waiver that they put in front of me. I did not want any part of that. I did not want the vaccination. Um, didn't matter. Because every time I signed any piece of paper, it magically disappeared and they never had it. And for whatever reason, they kept inoculating us. And I got about three rounds. The anthrax uh, vaccines come in three rounds. So think about that. I got my paperwork lost three times I got inoculated nine times with this crap. 
I was not happy. I get that we're in the military. I get that, you know, there's certain rights that we don't have. But on that one, that one I was mad because I did sign the paperwork. I did turn in the paperwork to the right people. And I know for a fact that they had it on file. They refused to listen to me and definitely violated my rights on that. Um, absolutely nothing I could do about it, though. Um, and I know I'm not the only one. So to the rest of you or anyone that's listening that had to go through that, I'm sorry. Um, not right. So we, uh, Patrick, William C. Patrick had worked with a man named Canton Albikoff, known as Ken Albik. And he defected to the U.S. in 92 from Russia. He was the number two expert in the biowarfare program under Vladimir Pashinik. Okay. So they worked together on the anthrax situation. Ken Albic became president of Hadron. Okay. Advanced Biosystems. This is a Alexandria-based company. Hadron specialized in development of technical solutions for the Intel community. So this is a great way of saying, hey, we do everything. <laughs> you want arms? We got it. You want drugs? We got it. You want biowarfare? We got it. What do you need? <laughs> it received millions in funding for medical biodefense research through DARPA. I don't know if you know who DARPA is. DARPA is one of the largest, if not the only, um, that creates military contracts for technology, everything. And everything and anything the military can and does use or would use, DARPA is the one that creates the contract for the research on new systems. Let's just give it a pretty little name there with some glitter. Um, now... The information that I'm giving you right now is from an article called The Octopus and the Weird World of Michael James Reconscuto. And this is by Iona Miller. Iona Miller's uh, research is very good. It's great. It's in depth. And it um, adds a little bit to the book that we've been going through, which is The Octopus, The Secret Government, and Death of Danny Casolaro. But this brings forth some very, very good information here. So um, this is also another thing. Uh, they received, Hadron received millions in funding from DARPA, the U.S. Army Medical Research and Material Command, and the NIH. Bringing this into now, Dr. Fucci and Dr. Bricks, the two that are in the public eye that have been in the public eye since day one of all of this COVID crap, are members of the N, sorry, NIH. I said NHI, NIH. 
National Institute of Health. So it goes a little further. People dug on Fauci and come to find out his wife (laughs) is a doctor as well and is involved with genetic research. Hmm. Interesting. And they have ties to Gates. And they keep talking about vaccines. It's all a little weird to me how these people all keep running in the same lines together because it's just such a coincidence. I don't know if you can sense my sarcasm. Maybe I need a little more coffee this morning, but it's disgusting. It really is. And it's scary that these people have been running like wild dogs off of a, a leash for so long and putting all of this together. They've got way too much freaking time on their hands as far as I'm concerned. Um, perhaps we need to um, lock them up and let them be a little more active in making license plates. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway... In order to develop vaccines, which sounds innocuous enough, the virus must first be created. This this we've already established. This is their way of thinking. And it is correct in the sense that in order to have a 100% cure for something, you got to know exactly what it is that you're fighting to begin with. So what better way to know what you're fighting than if you're the one that creates it? Um, In 81... We've got another gentleman here, Berkmans. He was a CIA agent that became Wackenhut's vice president. Um, he joined other Wackenhut executives to form the company's special projects division. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. This division linked up with, wouldn't you know it, ex-CIA man John Nichols. Um, this, this is when they become, this is when they got in deep in pursuing manufacturing of explosives, poison gas, other biological weapons. Um, they really started getting into the darker side of things, um, and became way more ambitious, uh, getting involved in illegal and black projects. So that was back. That was back in the in the early 80s. I wouldn't even be surprised if it was the mid to late 70s, let's be honest. Um, because that was when we had the MKUltra stuff going on. And Alan Dulles actually was the one that um, created the MKUltra program and brought it forward to, wouldn't you know it, George W. Bush. H.W., sorry. Um, Daddy Bush. Bush Sr., whatever you want to call him. <laughs> um, Alan Dulles was not only the one that was the mastermind behind MK Ultra, but he was also the one that operated, drumroll please, Operation Paperclip. Now, for those of you who have never heard of it before, and I'm, I'm here for you because I've had to learn a lot of this on my own, um, Operation Paperclip was a huge operation done right around the end of World War II, where we took in 
You're going to get angry about this. Where we took in some of the top minds of the Nazis and integrated them with new names and backgrounds into NASA, into other local um, scientific labs, uh, universities as professors, because, you know, what what better place for a Nazi? Um, <laughs> again, with the sarcasm, sorry. But um, truly, this is what they did. This is not a joke. There is factual evidence behind this. Um, so think about that. During the trials that were going on, we're filtering these people into our communities. Um, but the whole reason why we did it with these people was under the guise of needing to advance our technology before the Russians could get a hold of them. That's literally what it was all about, in a nutshell. We need to get to these people before they do so that we can make sure we have all of this massive technology before they do. That's what it came down to. And when it, in hindsight of all of it, it didn't advance us any further than where we were really already at. But now we've got these bad guys in some majorly high positions within our own communities. I mean, that, that was about the only thing that it did. <laughs> some really bad people were taken in under the guise that they were too smart to be put away. Really? <laughs> so anyway, um, this is where we're at for the day. I think I've been rambling enough here. Um, we will go ahead and continue on. I know I kind of sidetracked myself a little bit there, but we will continue on next go round with, um, we're just going to go ahead and go with some of these high level players and start naming names and continuing on down the list. Um, thank you guys so much for listening in this go round and I will talk with you again soon. Let the light of truth be there. Good morning. Welcome to my mystical land of truth. Um, we are back for another podcast here on Wacken Hut, and then we are connecting to, I guess we're going to go ahead and start with it today, biological weapons. Da, 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 da. Why not? Since uh, we've already gone through the COVID scenario here once, and we're trying to get a repeat on it today. Woohoo! More fun. No reopening. You know, because... We can stand shoulder to shoulder with no face masks as long as we're burning stuff, but, you know, day-to-day -day activities like grocery shopping and taking a crap, nope, gotta wear a mask. <laughs> so, let's, um, let's go ahead and uh, continue on down this rabbit hole today. So, I'm not gonna lie, the more I get into this book, the more things spiderweb, and I get... I get sidetracked very easily trying to get these topics put together. So um, we're going to go ahead and start with Wackenhut. There were two people that I wanted to go ahead and add a little bit of updated info on. We're going to go to current events here real quick from our past events. So um, Jimmy Hughes, 
he was part of the whack and hut case. He was the security guard that uh, committed the hit via order from Nichols on Fred Alvarez, the Cabazon tribe leader um, that whack and hut is presiding on. Um, so anyway, Jimmy Hughes murdered three people. He murdered Fred Alvarez, the girlfriend, and then another friend of theirs who was a male and happened to have at the time a 13 year old daughter. His wife, as I was doing my research, did her very best to kind of shield her daughter from what was going on. Didn't really ever go very deep into it. However, the daughter is much older now and um, had heard some things here and there as she was growing up and then took a deep rabbit hole dive. Um, found out all kinds of crazy ties and information. Um, her phones were getting tapped. Uh, she ended up finding Jimmy Hughes and almost to the point of stalking him uh, for about two years gathered as much intel as she could and charged him with the new evidence for the murder of Fred Alvarez and the two others. Now, she, in her deep diving research, managed to find Fred Alvarez's, uh, da not daughter, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. It, it was his sister. She was able to find his sister and get in contact with her. And she told her everything that she was going to do. So she got a lot of support from her for that. Well, she did. She got him in court in California. Wouldn't you know it? So as uh, this court case was going on, everything was looking great. I mean, she had the cards stacked against him. This is in, the, in February of 2020. So this is recently, okay? So this court case is going almost exactly the way they want it. And I'm saying at the last second, right at the call, swoosh. Um, the Attorney General Jerry Brown is the one that was presiding over this. He goes back to make his judgment, comes out, dismisses the whole freaking case. What in the world, right? Everybody is shocked. He states that due to new evidence, which they refuse to release, they refuse to release this information, but due to new evidence, trial is dismissed. Come to find out, Jimmy Hughes has ties to the prior attorney general. He is the nephew, okay? Not only that, he was uh, 27 when that, when that whole situation happened. He's 53 now. Um, he had a special forces background before working for this company. Now, mind you, again, remember, Wackenhut is a breeding ground for sub-CIA members. So if that's the case, he may have pulled the, the CIA card, and that's how this got dismissed, um, which is very common that you will see with a lot of these people when you dig on them. 
for whatever reason, there's some kind of immunity thing that these agents seem to have. Don't know how or why. Can't give you an explanation on that, but it is a common thread to see. So that card may have gotten pulled. Um, you know, national security. I can't. I can't explain to you why I had to murder these people, but I had to murder them. Um, one of those things, you know. Uh, at least from what I'm seeing here. I must say the family, I couldn't imagine dropping all those years, tracking all this information down. And I mean, she had him nailed to the wall with this. Wriggled his way out. Um, just as a side note here too, um, she, the, the final bit of evidence that she ended up getting that really just kind of, to me, should have sealed the deal. When she had met with him face to face right before she turned him in, because she had located him and actually followed him in and out of this uh, religious complex that he was a member of, she actually questioned him face to face and caught it on tape. And she questioned him about the murders. And he literally said on that tape, quote, your, your parents were part of a hit. What else can I tell you? Unquote. I mean, he blatantly admitted what he had done. I mean, nobody else would have known. So... I mean, I don't know. Anyway, my heart goes out to all those families that were, you know, um, affected by this one man. And the fact that they have not seen justice yet is not right. Um, it's just not. Uh, so, um, Carlos Cardone. This is the other guy I wanted to talk to you about that we've got a little bit of an update on here. So, Carlos Cardone was the guy that... Hold on one moment. I'm going to go back on my notes here so I'm not crisscrossing people, which is so easy to do. So Carlos Cadone was the uh, interest to Jonathan Moyle, the British journalist that was found dead in Chile. Um, he was the one that informed Moyle about the missile-guided systems that Iraq wanted, okay? It's funny how... Cardone knew so much about Iraq. He also was the intermediary between Iraq for Dr. Earl Bryan with the whole promise thing. Well, you know, like I said, I'm looking these people up. I'm finding out information. Come across a article from this year. Wouldn't you know it? The U.S. is trying to charge him with arms dealing. Okay? But here's the thing. Carlos Cardone... Uh, was well known for his cluster bombs. He was a pyro of sorts, <laughs> the guru of pyro. Uh, this guy, he was really good at making incendiaries and this is why they pulled him into the fold. He was good at what he did. He knew what he was doing and he was very quiet about it at the time. Um, so he was instrumental in arms dealings and um, 
he actually had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Saddam for the purchase of his cluster bombs. I guess he was needing to do like a little example for him as to what he was purchasing. Um, and here's the funny thing. He had nothing but nice things to say about this man. He had said flat out that, you know, when I spoke with him, I had no problem selling it to him. Uh, he seemed like he had a very uh, clear, sound mind and was very strategical in his thinking. And so no alarm bells raised with me. Perhaps was it just the dollar signs that you saw, sir? Because, um, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, he's actually waiting extradition from Chile because that's where he is right now. Um, he can't really leave the country uh, to do any kind of traveling because if he does, uh, we will go after him and he knows it. Uh, but right now, what he's doing is he's got the Chilean embassy uh, fighting over here for him on his behalf because the reason he's fighting against these charges of arms dealing is because he's saying flat out, and he may be completely 100% accurate in this, I am not going to be found guilty on any of this because the U.S. was 100% in knowledge of all of these dealings. I was doing this on the behalf of the US. Jaw drop. <laughs> so, I mean, that's news to people, right? Why isn't that on the front page of the news? Um, and then we've got Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Oh. No, no, no. I'm backtracking. Sorry. We've got Wack and Hut developing biological warfare viruses via Rico. So we're going back to Michael here for a moment. Michael Rico. So Michael Rico wasn't just the little Einstein of computer networking. This guy was kind of raised. He's a rain man of sorts, I guess you could say. He was either a rain man or just highly delusional. But here's the funny thing. They actually, since he's still currently in prison, he was released in 2019 and then taken back in again. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know what the second round was about. I still have to look into that. But um, this man, I <laughs> he's he's not going anywhere. He's just not. Um, I think they are really scared of getting rid of him um or at least leaving him in the public but i mean he's still getting his information out there whether it's accurate or not you know what i mean so i'm surprised they haven't offed him i'm not quite sure where that tie is yet or who his best buddies are i, I don't know but uh anyway he he was the mastermind behind the back door to the promise software right well he came out and said that that was not the only thing that was done. So, he, and he's right. Uh, Dr. Earl Bryan, whose sprinklings throughout all of these different cases and projects and black ops, uh, Dr. Earl Bryan owned a company called Hadron. 
Hadron was a front company, okay? And he created it in the 80s. <sighs> Hadron kind of was a two front. It had to do with software, but it also had to do with biowarfare. Uh, almost every... Let's see. So Hadron with Earl Bryan as the director, like I said, did computer engineering services, but they were convicted in the 80s on fraud charges. So they kind of sh like shifted gears at that point. And went into Biorad. Now, Hadron and Brian were linked. I think that's one of the reasons why in the 80s they had the problem, because they were linked to the Promise software issue. So they kind of had to do damage control. So like I said, they, sh they shifted gears and got into a company called Biorad. Biorad makes hazardous material, biological and nuclear chemicals, all kinds of stuff, okay? Um, then they, Brian also started a company called Infotech. Um, got Hadron with two subcorporations, Biorad and Infotech. So you see where it's umbrelling, uh, uh, more like an umbrella. Wow, <laughs> I just made that word up. Good morning. Where's my coffee? <laughs> uh, so this is this is where they started to umbrella out to protect themselves from lawsuits and liability issues. Much like all of these other corporations, they all do the same thing. It's the same thing in the banking community. Actually, even worse in the banking community. If you even try to pay attention just a little bit, you, you see very quickly how they do this. It's like um, little Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> um, and then, um, let's see. So anyway, Rico claimed that they have the capability of bioengineering DNA-based genetically targeted pathogens. Hmm. I don't know if any of you know about COVID-19. COVID-19 was not named 19 because it was made in 2019. No, no, no. Just so you guys know, the anthrax situation was created back in the 70s. COVID-19 was created in the 90s, okay? So if that's the case and they had all this stuff pre-engineered, why 19? There are 19 separate strains within the COVID virus itself that composes the entirety of the virus, okay? There's 19 separate strains. And with those strains, the best way I can explain it and break it down to you is that it is an opportunistic virus, meaning the reason why they say the people that are most susceptible to this are people with underlying issues is because 
it targets those areas. It's pre-programmed to find, seek, and destroy already weak areas in your system. Now, the 19 different strains, and this is what from this is what some of the doctors in the community have come come out and said. Um, it's targeting specific genetics via each strain. So, I mean, it's it's probably one of the most in-depth, manufactured, man-made viruses we've seen yet. We're lucky that it did not hit a lot worse, but then you gotta ask, why? What happened? What happened? Well, we're gonna continue with the history of this and then we'll all get to that point. So, um, by 85, Enslaw went into bankruptcy during this Department of Justice investigation thing. 